Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The midweek Mac and Mac attack here on Bird 365 with John McMullen and Jody McDonald. I am told that uh, my partner is wearing a dark blue turtleneck today i can't tell colors anymore i don't know if it's the the color here on our youtube feed or my eyes are going bad uh yours truly in a dark gray neither one of us in black today that's a good yeah. sign we're both up about the upcoming draft right johnny mac yeah and the sun is out this is an important important draft for your philadelphia eagles Jody mcdonald even though there aren't three first round picks any longer was the most important draft in franchise history now it's yep. just super important. Right. It's still rather important, but uh, they had never had three first-round picks, never made three first-round <laughs> picks, and they're not going to make three first-round picks this year. Or are they? Um, you never Yes, know. Yesterday, uh, while you and I were on the air on Birds 365, I've uh, mentioned this before, uh, every day I got the TV on at 7 a.m., uh, and I turn on uh, the NFL Network to watch Good Morning Football. And I think they do a damn good show. Uh, Kay Adams is a good host. Uh, Kyle Brandt is tremendously entertaining. They run a number of different uh, NFL players into that fourth seat. Peter Schrager is their information guy. Um, not only does he work for uh, the NFL Network, he also works for Fox in season, uh, doing pregame stuff for them on their network. And he floated... A hypothetical, which you know yours truly loves, uh, <clears throat> trade yesterday with the Philadelphia Eagles taking their two first-round picks and moving up in the draft, adding number 15 to number 19 and Jalen Rager and sending it to the Houston Texans for the number three pick in the draft. As we're talking about, should they really trade? If there are teams that are interested in Jalen Rager, shouldn't they just do whatever it takes to get him off the roster? It's time to move on, acknowledge your mistake, tip your hat, get on with it. Um, Schrager had a hypothetical deal that, Schrager, that uh, Rager was going to the Houston Texans for the number three pick in the draft. I don't know if this is him just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks or if he's actually got some information about the conversation at least being had. Uh, so we give it the potential credence that it deserves. Who would the Eagles be moving up to get at number three, Johnny Mac? Well, that's the key. Is there a player uh, that you want to go up to this draft? And we we've, we've talked about that the past couple of days, Jody. You know, <laughs> when you hear the word deep, it's usually code for something. And uh, maybe the code is, hey, the top of this draft isn't uh, – nearly as talented as it typically is in a normal season. So who would you want? Who would you want at number three? Who fancies you? Is it Aiden Hutchinson? Well, he's probably not going to be there. Is it Trayvon Walker? Well, he's probably not going to be there, but there's at least a possibility that e either two can slip because I don't know what the hell Jacksonville's going to do with the number one overall pick. Um, 
The only name I can come up with is Kayvon Thibodeau, um, who who is maybe the most talented. In fact, I, I would say the most talented, just from a pure, pure ability perspective, probably the best of all the edge rushers. Is it worth going up that high? And by the way, you know, I love how people put in Jalen Rager and Jalen Rager, you know. Toss his butt into yeah. the deal. Yeah. I mean, no offense to Peter, but I mean, you know, you, you, you're not getting stuff for your own you-know-what you're putting out at the curb. If you put something out at the curb, somebody's going to take it. They're not going to give you something for it. Um, you mean they don't, don't leave any uh, money under the, the, the rock that's you out there keep, on your front lawn? You can keep checking. but uh, and, 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 you know, if you go by the trade charts and, you know, People say Jimmy Johnson's trade chart is outdated. There's some new ones around there, but 15 and 18 doesn't even get you to three. So I guess that's why he threw um, uh, Jalen Rager. And typically the only reason you go up that high in the draft and our buddy Shield Kapadia has his, uh, which I like, uh, I think it's seven ways to not screw up the draft he does every year. One of them is if you're trading up that high, it better be for a quarterback. So you're not trading up for a quarterback. So roundabout way of saying this doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Jody. I could see them targeting a specific player moving up a couple spots like they did last year with Devontae Smith. If they have a group and they think they're going to get them at 15 and all of a sudden they start coming off the board like what happened last year. Then you got to show a sense of urgency and maybe go up a few spots to ensure you get the player you want before there's that significant drop off in your mind. The only reason I'm going up to three is to get a quarterback. So if you like Malik Willis that much, if you like Kenny Pickett that much, Godspeed, but I don't think the Eagles are in that category. You you saw it the same exact way I did. I, I broached this last night on my WIP show because Schrager trotted this out there while you and I were on the air. I watched the first hour of Good Morning Football. They didn't bring it up before you and I hit the, the stream world. Uh, so it must have been sometime after. And I said the same exact thing last night on WIP that you said just now. Could the Eagles trade up in the first round? Oh, yeah. If it is something very similar to what happened last year, they could move up a couple of slots they're not trading two ones to get the number three to get sauce Gardner. Now I know there are some people in town that think sauce is uh, the next coming of Deion Sanders and is going to reinvent the uh, shutdown cornerback term, which for me doesn't really even exist in the national football league. The Eagles are lucky and they got Darius Slay, who's one of the better cornerbacks in the entire NFL. Is he a shutdown cornerback? No. The best cornerback in the National Football League right now might be Jalen Ramsey. Do uh, the, the way that I've always thought of and defined shutdown cornerback is Jalen Ramsey that? No. And if the best cornerback in the league isn't a shutdown quarterback, that tells me there are no shutdown cornerbacks in the National Football League. It doesn't mean that the talent level at that position is dropped. What it means is the NFL has changed the rules to basically make it impossible to be a shutdown cornerback. So if you're not getting a shutdown cornerback, because at least in my opinion, there's no such thing as a shutdown cornerback. Why the hell would you trade up the number three? 
to get the best quarterback. We all, I think uh, anybody we've had on the show, all our guests, certainly we'll have that many more leading up to the draft. I, we haven't had one guy on and go, yeah, but you know, that Booth kid is just as good as Sauce Gardner. Nobody said that. Everyone acknowledges that he's the best cornerback in the draft. He doesn't need to be taken at number three in the upcoming draft. He's not wow. that good. We talk about the values put on each position around the National Football League. You need a corner, but you don't even have shutdown corners anymore. So uh, how did the Eagles justify moving up that high to get a cornerback <laughs> in the no, NFL? No, would never, ever happen. And I, you stated it really well. Nothing against Ahmad Gardner. You're, you're Chandler Ramsey. You hit the name on. You hit the nail on the head with the name. That's what you're hoping for. That's that's the standard. That's as good as it gets in the in the modern NFL. And he's a phenomenal player. Uh, but you saw in the playoffs in high profile situations. Look, everything is against you in the modern NFL. It's impossible. And then can you imagine, like I say this all the time, the Eagles can't think this way. And I'm, I, I understand that this is just my spin on it. Um, and perfect week with, with Alec Baum and the Phillies. I mean, this environment is tough and you, I say this to you, Jody, you come in as the third overall pick and they trade it up to get you and you have growing pains. Oh no, 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 no. You got to show up and be Jalen Ramsey from day one. That's right. what expected. And that ain't going to happen. And even if Jalen Ramsey shows up, they're going to go, he's getting beat by Mike Evans in a big spot. He's getting beat in the Super Bowl in the big spot. Are you kidding me? We're giving this guy, this guy's this, this guy's Deion Sam. The expectations would be so out of whack. Uh, so, that's just something off to the side. I add to it. Now the Eagles can't think that way. They got to think: um, is the is the player a good player? Is he the third best player in the draft? I don't even think that. Um, it's a very good player. He's. I've said if they're going to trade up, they're going to target three players, and he's one of the three players. Um, Sauce Gardner, Kayvon Thibodeau would be another if he starts to slip. Um, and the third would be Jordan Davis. Um, if he, uh, you know, starts to fall into the 12, 13 area and you think somebody's going to get him, uh, those are the three players, but they're not going up to number three. They're not going up to three. This team is too obsessed. I used to, I've been using that word a lot. They're obsessed with valuation. Uh, how he's good at it. That's That's the... <clears throat> that's the lead, that's the lead bullet point on his resume. Winning every trade, I understand this, I understand what this is worth, I understand what that's worth. Trading two first round picks to go up to number 3 to get a cornerback, that would be the most unhowie Roseman like thing of all time. So while you never say never, I'll always leave it open to 99%. I'm close to saying never. There is no way they're trading up to get a cornerback that high in the draft. You and I are on the same page here. And uh, the the reason why I agree with you, in addition to all the very good reasons you just, you just gave, and those three players, um, I think Thibodeau would be in the same mix. If they went to three, they could take either Sauce or uh, Thibodeau. And I don't think they're doing that because my estimation, I know how he's the best at it. You just gave him the crown as the king of valuation. 
the Eagles can't afford to give up that second first round pick. As we sit here today, and we well, got... well, 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 I will say this, Jody, we're not ready. <laughs> so you can give up whatever you want. You're kicking the can. If you're always kicking the can, if, if it's you, always if you're about putting tomorrow, two first round picks together to move up, you're not kicking the can. You're aggressively moving up. But I'm saying you're you're trying to get a great, a tri- you know, you you'll hear the term generational player. You're trying to get a generational player uh, that's going to be so far above what you would get with 15 and 18. Uh, yeah, they could spin it that way, but it they're only going up to the top of a draft to get a quarterback. Oh, and they should. I mean. The Saints did it a couple years ago, and we just ripped Mickey Loomis for the trade with the Eagles, and I think rightfully so. And I think he went up to about 10 or 12. I'll I'll look it up in the break to get Marcus Davenport. And everybody looked at him like he was nuts. Uh, And that's, you know, uh, because he's going up so high and giving up so much to get a non-quarterback. And that's much lower in the draft. It's just not the way Howie Roseman thinks. Now, if, if Mickey Loomis was here, I'd, I'd probably entertain it uh, because all general managers are different. And I have, uh, and Xander says Davenport was 14. So, yeah, he went up and he gave up pretty significant. I think he gave up a future first round pick uh, to go up and get Marcus Davenport, which eh, he's been okay. But, you know, it's just it's pretty it, good. Yeah, it's all right. Um, but he got a lot of, he got a lot of, uh, uh, grief criticism, a lot of lot of lot of grief. Thank you, uh, for that particular move up. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, you're, you're not going up that high in the draft, and if you do, you're going to get prepared to get killed. Not, not that Howie has job security issues, he, he right, he has always got job security. Uh, here's why I don't think it's going to happen, and maybe I'm not. Uh, thinking far enough outside the box. The Eagles have needs right now. The roster as is has needs. And I mean needs of players to step in and start for them next year. Not building depth across the roster. and No, they have starter needs. They have openings. They have holes in their roster. They at one point had three first-round picks. You serviced a position of need future draft assets by making the deal that you made with the saints. Okay, fine. We all thought it was going to happen. We all predicted it was going to happen and sure enough, it happened. And now he Roseman got the job done in something that the Eagles needed. They have immediate needs right now. They need starters to come out of this year's draft. And that's what you get, what you believe you're going to get with a first round pick. So even if you get a star player, transitional, a transient type player, a generational type player with the third, the fifth, whatever, if they have to package both ones to get there, I don't think it's worth doing right now. They, they have a bigger need, and the bigger need for me is a guy who can step in and start at safety. Sorry, Epsi. I'm just, I, I love you yeah. as a third safety. I don't love you as a starter. Uh, sorry, Zach Mack. Uh, you're starting at corner. I got a big question mark next year. Um, they probably could hold down the four at a defensive end this year, but certainly for the future, you know, Derek Barnett doesn't do anything for me, but that's a position of need. They have several across this 22-man roster of immediate needs. You believe you can fill two of them with two first-round draft picks in the first 19 in the draft. 
If you trade up to get one player, I can do um, simple math. Two minus one is one. You're only filling one need. I think they need to fill two needs. That's why they're not going to trip. Now, if they can do a deal like the Devontae Smith deal where you're giving up your one and an extra pick in a, a different round, a second, a third, or something along those lines, oh, yeah, I can see Howie Roseman doing that. But do you think they can afford to give up a starting player? If you believe you're getting the starting player with the 19th pick in the draft, do you think they can afford to do that? Well, I think it depends if you think the – and it's 18 now because of the Saints trade. If you think there's a another starting-level player, you're going to get at 18. So that kind of is really – you know, you have, obviously long term, you hope to get a starter, but I think we're talking. I think you're talking about immediate starter, um, and that depends on your, you know, evaluation of the draft and how deep it goes. And you know, most of the people we've talked to says it goes in the twenties with legit first round picks, so you should be able to get two. So, um, yeah, the Eagles have needs. Everybody has needs, though. It, to me, it talks about some teams have more needs than others. Yeah, too, uh, yeah. But it, it talks about, do you think this is, and I hate the term, and I always say to my buddy Jack McCaffrey, I you know, I hate the term generational talent because people overuse it to a ludicrous degree. You can't have generational talent every year. If you have generational talent every year, it's not generational. <laughs> um, if you think somebody is that different, then it changes the board. I don't see anybody like that, Jody. I don't see anybody. And you, and by the way, if you want to go up to number three, forget about the Eagles. Take the Eagles 10 off this. If you want to go up to number three, you really want Sauce Gardner at number three, even in this draft? Or or, or, or even Kayvon Thibodeau, if you start bringing in the Evan Neals of the world, who, who might be the most talented player in the draft, uh, but for whatever reason, you know, maybe he's not as far along as you would like, or, you know, who knows what Jacksonville, Jacksonville's crazy. Look at Tony Khan tweeting about wrestling. Jacksonville's crazy. Um, they're, they're a wild card coming out of the, coming out of the gates. So you don't know what the heck they're going to do at number one overall. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't think people think about it that way. Like, if you went up to three, why would you take that player? Why? Because you have a needed corner, which they do. I mean, that is mistake number one. That is a neon sign mistake. I like Sauce Gardner. I think he's the best cornerback in this draft. He's yep. not the number three pick in this draft. No stinking way. Yeah, I don't so think so. There's too many, too many red flags on that potential trade. Yeah, the I you said it earlier, and I agree with you. Yeah, but I was a guy. If if there is anything to this whatsoever, if the conversation has been had, at least it's been broached. You have to try and figure out why the Eagles would be doing it. They have to have a player that they think is there, who is, despite John uh, McMullen's protestations, a generational player. <laughs> The only one who could possibly be is, is Thibodeau, at least in my eyes. All right. Uh, we got a generational player joining us next. He hops aboard with us every couple of weeks right here on Birds 365. He's only been covering the Eagles for decades, uh, doing it these days for uh, Philly Mag. Also writes for the 33rd team. Paul Domowitz joins us next here on Birds 365.
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Got a Wednesday get together here on Birds 365 with McDonald and McMullen. Joining the fray is our buddy. From Philly Mag, 33rd team. You read him forever in the Daily News. Paul Domwich jumps aboard with us here on Birds 365. All right, Domo, your, your charge, your stead, what you're doing these days has changed over the last uh, year and change. <clears throat> this more exciting, less exciting, more work, more relaxed. How are you prepping for an Eagles draft in your position? Well, it's more, uh, it, it's a broader uh, uh, job. It's uh, covering, you know, the whole league. Uh, I've got more stories I can pursue uh, rather than kind of focusing just on the Eagles with three other guys where you had to stop, be careful you guys weren't, you know, that we weren't uh, bumping into each other on story ideas. So uh, this has been kind of cool. Um, you know, I, I, I like it, uh, you know, and I'm able to kind of, be my own master. So I like that. And, and guys, I got to apologize uh, ahead of time. You're probably going to hear some hammering during this interview uh, because of some uh, work that's getting done around the house. So Pretty used I, to it. I won't be offended if you cut me off and say, yeah, we got to no. go. We got more guests. Yeah. Don't, it's don't long it, season too. It's leaf blowing season, Damo. <laughs> so I get that constantly uh, around my house. It's like nonstop from eight till four. Um, yeah. It's that time of year. Uh, it, you know, you've taken your your draft preview, the, the 33rd team, and you're, you're still working with Ben Pinnell, who does excellent work. Uh, 
Uh, is Ben still working for the Eagles? Is he coming back? He still does the uh, uh, podcast for the Eagles the, on their website. Um, you know, he's working for CBS uh, with – he's a producer with their number two team, I believe, Charles Davis and Ian Eagle. And then he uh, he, he also works uh, the draft with Daniel Jeremiah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. He's got he, about 15 hats. So, he, <laughs> he, does, he does a great job. And you guys do a great job. Thanks. Wow. I, mean, I, I sit down with him for about three hours uh, late last month. And, uh, I mean, the man's got an encyclopedic uh, mind in addition to the fact that he just, you know, his his, his feel for football and for evaluation is, is, is just tremendous. So, uh, you know, I went from Mayock, who I, I worked with for, you know, I guess I want to say 14 years till he took the GM job in, in it, with the Raiders to, to Ben who worked with Mike before that. So it, it's been, you know, both of them are just, it's, it's been uh, great working with, with uh, Ben. So uh, you, you, you've taken that over to the 33rd team and you brought up your, you know, obviously over there, you have more of a league perspective. So, you know, Jody and I were just discussing as the draft gets closer, but it starts with number one, Jacksonville and our old friend, Doug Peterson, not Doug, but I have no idea what Jacksonville is going to do. I mean, that is a goofy organization. So you have been at your disposal. Maybe you're still calling up Mike. What the heck is Jacksonville going to do? And then I can get some clarity. And I know you just did your edge rushers. Everybody tilts toward that, but some say Aiden Hutchinson, some say Trayvon Walker. You would think they might take a tackle because they have Trevor Lawrence. I can't get past number one, Dama. Yeah. And, uh... And, and you're right with that organization, who knows? Uh, you know, I mean, I feel sorry for Doug. I mean, he's in a, I think he's in an ideal situation from the standpoint of the expectations down there and the fan base, they're not going to put the kind of pressure on him that he had here. And yet he's working with an organization that, whose personnel department is a mess, uh, who's made some curious decisions over the last several years. So you never know, you know, I, as much as, I think it'll be Hutchinson. I still think it could be one of those tackles, uh, you know, Evan Neal or uh, uh, the kid whose name I can't pronounce. Yeah, none of us can. North the North <laughs> Carolina State kid, Jody. Can you do it? We'll throw it. Not to a Jody. prayer. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm smarter than that. I, I yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to. Well, let, let's test Damo. The defensive end from Penn State that uh, yeah we yeah you got to do that we got to do that so early give me his in the morning. last name yeah oh forget it and since I'm not looking at it uh... <laughs> I could say Halapoli Bati Baita how's yeah, yeah. that <laughs> repetition makes everything yeah, repetition. Uh, correct uh, all right here's the question I got for you Damo we were just talking about the Eagles potentially trading up the three. We know the Eagles have already made a big deal uh, with New Orleans to get a future first round pick. Um, eight different teams have multiple picks in the first round. I don't remember that ever happening before. You're a better NFL historian than I. You can either confirm or deny. Uh, is that going to lend itself to that much more fun on draft night because teams have two? That means there's a whole bunch of teams that have none. Are they going to be that desperate to get back into the first round? How does this unprecedented kind of grouping of picks lend itself to activity by uh, the time we get there 15 days from now? Well, you would you would think it, it, it might mean more trades. I mean, teams that with multiple picks 
that have the flexibility to trade, that have, you know, things that people want. Um, at the same time, I don't think the Eagles are going to move forward. Uh, I think there's a possibility how he could end up moving backwards. Not very far, but enough that if he can pick up another second, uh, you know, depending on what's on the board when they're picking, I could see that happening. But uh, but with respect to the, your trade question, yeah, I think there are going to be more trades this year because of the multiple picks. And if you'll even look forward another year, I mean, next year, I think right now we're looking already at five teams in the first five teams that have multiple picks in the first round next year. And I think it's all for the same reason as the Eagles. The, 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 yeah. all, all of those teams are teams that could be looking for a quarterback. Uh, Detroit, uh, even Miami with Tua, I don't think they're completely sold on them. Uh, you know, the Eagles, Seattle. I forget who the fifth team is, but it's another team that might need a quarterback. So, you know, this year the trading up and down is not going to be for a quarterback. It's going to be if there's if there's trading up, it'll be for an edge rusher. Could be for one of those tackles, uh, depending on if one of them slides a little bit. Um, you know, but there, you know, I think you know the quarter, Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. Boy, I, I just nobody seems to know where they're going to go. Uh, no, you know, you, you talk to NFL people, most of them haven't even, don't even have first round grades on these guys, but teams are so desperate for quarterbacks in this quarterback driven league that, you know, as we've seen in the past, they, they push up guys. So we'll see. All right. I think, well, a couple things. I, I did have to look at it. I, I'm going to say I come at Wanu, uh, <laughs> from North Carolina state. I had to look at it though, Donna. Um, Equano is not that bad. It's the first name. I don't. It's yeah. I K E M. So I don't know. You can go. You can go a number of different ways with that. Um, but you bring up. So let's go back to the trade. I think everyone looks at you know uh, New Orleans and saying, "What the heck is Mickey Loomis doing?" Uh, tremendous from a valuation standpoint from Howie, which is that's what he's good at. Um, but your first thoughts after the trade, I mean, mine were, uh, I don't believe in Jalen Hurts, no matter how many times they trot up there and say that. Is there any way to, any other way to think about it uh, than they just don't trust the quarterback? I think they want to believe in him, John. Uh, they just, But you're right, they don't right now. They don't know what to think of him. They're hoping he's going to improve. Uh, all indications from his history is that he's going to improve, but how much? Is it going to be enough for them to be convinced at the end of this season that, yeah, okay, he's our guy going forward. We found our franchise quarterback. Or are they going to have to dip into that draft, uh, which is why they pushed a first-round pick forward to, to give them the insurance policy. So, But you're right. Uh, right now, they don't have full confidence in them. They want to. Uh, but they don't. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I, it's like you want to love somebody, but uh, <laughs> and you're trying, but he, you know, he hasn't quite given them the reason to, to truly believe, uh, you know, for all the good things he did last year. You know, there, were, there are other things that you, you, you don't know whether he'll ever get the hang of it. The anticipation, the accuracy, uh, things that, have, that you need absolutely need as a quarterback in this league. Uh, and that he has to prove to them this year that he's developed. Damo John, just rightfully so, gave Howie Roseman credit for the deal he made with New Orleans. He almost always seems to win the deal and has a great grasp on valuation. 
So we give Howie credit for what he's done before when he deserves it. And we also question uh, what Howie's done before when he deserves it. Well, one of the long lasting Howie Roseman trends and even more importantly, Eagle trends uh, predating Howie Roseman is offensive line. They've always believed you got to build it from the inside out. How far are we going to have to wait until Howie Roseman says, I got to get back to basics. I, I, are you kidding me? I've made three picks and I haven't taken an offensive lineman yet. We have to take an offensive lineman. It is the strength of the team. That's where their highest level talent is. That's where their best depth is. When you got both of those things going for you, I mean, you don't need anybody there. But they won't be able to help themselves. Will they? When are they actually going to take their first offensive lineman? And could Howie actually do it with one of those two first round picks? I don't think he'll do it with one of the first two first round picks, Jody. But what do they, they have? Five in the first one hundred one picks. I think one of yeah. those picks, maybe the fourth or the fifth of those picks could end up being, you know, depending on who drops, somebody will slide. You know, I mean, they do, you're right. They do have plenty of depth along the offensive line, but their attitude has always been, you cannot have enough. Uh, you know, I mean, Kelsey's going to retire probably after this season. Lane Johnson's what, 32, 33. So it's not like you can't continue to stock up. So I think if there's somebody there, they like, in the late second, uh, third round, uh, I would not be surprised. But I don't think it'll be with one of those first-round picks. Um, let's say they stand pat in the first round, Tomo. So they take 15, they take 18. Um, you think it's just going to be, you know, seeing how the board falls on draft night? Or do you think the Eagles, you know, everybody talks about it need being the worst talent evaluator in sports. But if I said to you, the Eagles are going to come out of the first round of this jet draft with one particular position, what, what position would that be? In that first round? Yeah. I still think it's going to be defensive line, John. Uh, I mean, if I had to pick, uh, predict right now, what those two picks will be, I would say wide receiver defensive line and not necessarily an edge rusher. I mean, if Jordan Davis is there at 15, I mean, it takes me two seconds to grab him. I don't know about I, – I, but, but I have no idea if that's what Howie thinks. Uh, but, you know, the interior interior line is, 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 is maybe even more important to them than edge rusher. Uh, you know, quarterbacks can, are in this league and step up and step away from, from edge rush pressure. You got somebody yeah. that can up the middle, uh, especially a guy like, a 6'6", 341 sunblotter like this guy. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody everybody looks at him and, and thought he was just a run run stopper. Then he goes and runs a 4.73. You know, he played in a Georgia defense that basically had their defensive linemen move out of the way for the linebackers. I mean, they occupied the blocks and their, their, their linebackers, who all ran sub-4.4s, I think, uh, were the guys that made the plays. Well, you know, this guy can get upfield – so, I mean, I think Jordan Davis would be an excellent choice for them. But I think there's there's going to be a few defensive linemen, uh, edge rushers and interior, that will be on the board at 15 and 18 that, that they'll take one of them. I'm glad to hear you saying that they're going to take a wide receiver with one of their two picks because I think they desperately need an upgrade. Sorry, Zach Paschal, uh, <laughs> at the wide receiver position. Uh, what about the Olympian? Come on, Jody. 
Uh, okay. Are they going to actually put hurdles on the field when the <laughs> game is played next year? If that's the case, that's a hell of a signing by the Eagles. But uh, that's a very much a wait-and-see play. Um, I think they need an upgrade at wide receiver because there was some really talented wide receiver that changed teams this offseason, Damo, with Adams going to Vegas and Hill going to Miami, even a Robert Woods going from the Rams to Tennessee. And in all three cases, the receivers seem to have had some sway, even though they were all trades. Uh, They were able to influence where they were going to be dealt and John kept telling me, well, they're not coming here to Philadelphia because Eagles don't throw the ball enough. They run the ball too much. They're all worried about their numbers, and they're not going to get their numbers here in Philadelphia, which is probably accurate. But how do you change that narrative? If that's the case, if John's got the right evaluation on it, which I think he does, uh, how do you go about getting the egg before the chicken and, and get a superstar wide receiver in here so that yeah. you can become a passing team, which we all believe – the Eagles would actually prefer. Well, the most one of the most notable things about all the wide receiver movement and and even guys that and wide receivers that ended up staying during this offseason has been the contracts they've gotten. I mean, it's just obscene what wideouts now are making, and that's I think a factor with the Eagles because I don't think they're ready to pay that kind of money to a wide receiver. Uh, although they were in the Calvin Ridley sweepstakes uh, until. He, until he decided to, until he got caught with his hand in the uh, gambling right. jar. DraftKings um, sap is tough, man. They give him a free <laughs> plug. But I mean, I think they would prefer to to get another draft pick, like they uh, get another wide receiver in the draft, like they did uh, with Smith, where you've got him for at least three years under a rookie contract. Um, so that's why I, you know I think it's it's you know this is a deep draft wide receiver wise in the uh, first and second days. So I think they can definitely get one, you know, now the question is we've seen how, how he's hit rate on this. It's not good. Uh, So, you know, whoever they pick, there's going to be some skepticism, but it's a good, you know, there, there should be some good receivers there at 15 and 18. Uh, Now, if I've had to guess, you know, I don't, what you do, I don't know what happens with Jamison Williams, the kid from Alabama, he may be the best wide receiver in the draft, but he's come from a major injury. Does Howie want to go that route again if he's there? I mean, uh, he he did that with Sidney Jones and it blew up in his face. Uh, so I, I I think he that would scare him off enough that it wouldn't even if Williams were available. I think a guy like Traylon Burks would seem to be uh, oh. a perfect pick for them. A 6'3", 225 pounder that they could team with Devonta. Uh, you know, I'm still not sold on Quez Watkins. You know, he's kind of a specialty player. I mean, a nice guy to run down the field and, and catch a deep ball once or twice a game. But, uh, I mean, you need more productive receivers that that can help Jalen Wirtz, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, become a better quarterback. Uh, guys that are going to catch slants and 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 those kind of passes that they're going to improve his production on third down and, and in short situations. So here's my concern with Burks, uh, Damo. And you mentioned the contracts and, you know, Debo Samuel's probably the one player, you know, he woke up evidently and said, oh, everybody's getting this. Uh, let me get in line. So now San Francisco is starting to have some issues with Debo. And to me, Debo Samuel, I say it all the time. He is 
my favorite player in the NFL right now. He is so fun to watch. Um, I love everything about him as a player. But I question if he were to come to Philadelphia, I question. I've never seen any evidence that this team can use a player like that. Is Kyle Shanahan coming with them? And that's <laughs> sort of the mold of, of Traylon Burks, who's going to be that manufactured touch guy, along with being a receiver. I don't want to attempt. But I've never seen them, and this is going back different regimes, obviously, mm-hmm. being able to take advantage of that type of player. And they were supposed to have one in Jalen Rager. So kind of a two-parter. Why not just stick with Alabama? Take the kid. You mentioned Sidney Jones, but they took Landon Dickerson. He was injured. He worked out. Let, let, let Nick Saban do the developmental work. Bring in Jamison Williams. And, you know, then Jalen Rager, I want your percentage of – May 1st, is Jalen Rager on this team? Give me a percentage. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's going to be thrown into some draft day trade. Um, you know, but it's not, it's going to be like, uh, you know, for a bag of balls. Uh, I mean, you're not, he's not going to, he's not going to influence a big trade, but they've, they've got, you know, for, for his sake and theirs, he needs to be out of sight, out of mind. So um, I think in any trade talks they do on draft day, uh, they're going to say, hey, how do you feel about Jalen? I want to flip it to the other side. Of the Real quick, Jody, the, the manufactured touch thing. I, uh, why, is the, why do you think this team has not been able? I mean, it's all over the league, and they just can't seem to figure it out. Yeah, and, and, and you know, a couple of years back, I mean – they understood that this was going to be a bubble screen league or is a bubble screen league. And that, that's one of the reasons they got Rager. Uh, they thought he could be that guy um, instead of Justin Jefferson. I mean, that was one of the many reasons they thought this was a better move. And yet every time they ran a bubble screen last year, it was like, you know, no, it was torture. Early on, it was torture. Early on they, were, they seemed to work a little bit. And then, yeah. I, you know, I, I, it's hard to explain. They've got athletic you know, they've got an athletic center, athletic tackles that can get out there. They've got some decent wide receivers that can block. Uh, so I, I don't know why the, why that part of their offense didn't work. But it's, it's you know, if they bring in somebody like Burks or, or Williamson, uh, they've got to – I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be up to Sirianni and his staff to find a way to get these guys to produce for Hertz or vice versa for Hertz to get the ball to them. All right, Damo, I want to flip it over to the other side of the ball for a second and ask you a defensive question. Um, There are three groups of individuals who I try and track when looking at someone with the Philadelphia Eagles and how they're perceived elsewhere. Number one is how are they perceived across the league by other organizations? How are they perceived by the fan base here in Philadelphia? And how are they perceived, most importantly, by the other players around the league? And the guy I'm targeting here is the defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, I just asked you about how the Eagles are looked at as a team for a potential wide receiver to come in. How do you think other players around the league, free agents that are out there still, Honey Badger, Stephon Gilmore, Jarvis, uh, uh, those are the two defensive guys. 
how do you think Gannon is perceived by the other players? We seem to believe that he's perceived quite well by all the other teams in the league. He got an interview as a head coach one year into being a coordinator. That's a pretty good jump up, as a matter of fact. We know that there are mixed emotions about him with Eagle fans here in town. Some like him, some can't stand him a little bit. How do you think Jonathan Gannon is looked at by players out there in the league, most specifically free agents, who the Eagles should be trying to at least see if they can come in and get a good deal done with them? Well, I think it probably depends on the position. Uh, you know, guys look at how – I mean, when they're, when, when they're a free agent, uh, they're looking at – and they look at a team that's interested in them. They're looking at how that team would use them. Uh, and I think that's a situation with Matthew uh, would be the situation with a, you know, with any defensive lineman they've been interested in, uh, you know, when they sold Reddick on, on Philadelphia, well, they already had the advantage of, of this being his home. Uh, but I think they also said, Hey, you know, we're going to use you more as an edge rusher rather than off ball guy. Although I think they will use him some like that. But so I think, you know, I don't think it's, I, I don't think people have had an uh, players have had enough of a uh, there's there's not enough of a book on Gannon for them to say this is what he's going to do with me or or with you know that that where I don't want to go there because he's this kind of coach. They're they're just trying to figure out where they fit in. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people criticized Jonathan last year uh, at times because of the whole bend but don't break thing. I just felt early on. He had no faith in, in most of his players or he didn't know them well enough to know how, whether they could do the job. Uh, I think as the season went along, he found out which guys he could count on, which guys he couldn't and started changing a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's a good defensive coach. I think he'll be a better defensive coach this year than he was last year. But again, it's going to come down to the talent he's got. They seem to be improving. They're, they're better at linebacker from the moves they've made. They, sh you know, it's going to, you know, it's always about the rush. Um, you know, how much of a difference will Reddick make? Will Cox be any better this year? Is you know, Cox is the guy that 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 Gannon kind of clashed with. He he, you know, he's the guy that that didn't like the way he was being used and complained about the time when he dropped off into coverage. <clears throat> I mean, Cox was just looking for people to blame for the fact that he wasn't playing very well last year. Um, you know, I but you know, so those are the things I think uh, from a free agent standpoint. They're just looking to see how they're going to be used in the defense. Um, one of the players that I think will be defined by that in this draft, Damo, and I don't think you and Ben have gotten to safety yet, but it's Kyle Hamilton of Notre Dame. Now, Jody and I love the kid. He can just play. But obviously, he didn't run well at, at the combine, didn't run well at uh, his pro day either. And now there's talk that what looks to me like a top five talent, even with the position he plays, is going to drop a little bit. I don't know if he's going to drop to 15, but if he does drop to 15, would the Eagles even consider him? Because uh, they're sort of, they go back and forth. One year they're hell-bent on measurables. You got to do this. You got to do that. Another year they're hell-bent on college production. Um, they go back and forth, it seems. Maybe you're foreshadowing a bit because you guys haven't gotten to it, but have you talked about Kyle Hamilton? And what do you think about him as a player? And he can play all over. So that's why I kind of bring it. You got to have a defensive coordinator that's going to use him. You just stand him, sit him back there and 
playing, you know, single high. Yeah. You probably don't want him, but you're wasting that kind of talent. You think yeah. the Eagles have the ability to take advantage of it. You think they would consider Kyle Hamilton. Well, I mean, you know, we look at, I mean, this is the seventh rounder they took last year, but the kid from LSU whose name escapes me at the moment, Kobe former... Stevens, Jacoby right. Stevens. They, they tried to turn him into a linebacker. So, I mean, the, yeah. the, you know, he, he's, Gannon's receptive to, you know, taking guys like that and finding ways to use them. I just can't imagine Hamilton sliding that far, but what if he gets to 12? Uh, does he, does, does, does how he think about it like that? Like, I mean, they've made those kind of trades before. I think, uh, well, I go back Devontae. to Robert Bunkley and guys like that where, yeah. yeah, where they'll do a trade to move up two, three spots to get a guy they really want. I, I don't think he, you know, I mean, I'm one of the people that think he's not going to slide that far. Um, but I think there's also some other factors. Where do they stand right now with Matthew? Matthew? Uh, you know, is, is, is he going to be coming here? Do they think they've got a chance? If, if they do, you know, then they've got him and Harris and, and Marcus Epps. And I don't know what, how he believes about Kayvon Wallace right now, but if, if he thinks there's still a few, if he still thinks this guy can get better, um, do you then still go at, after Hamilton if he's there? I, I don't know. I, I think the chances are slim of both him dropping that far and them taking him, but who knows? Uh, you know, I, last time I guessed right about the Eagles in the first round of draft <laughs> was, uh, was when they had, when they took Carson Wentz. <laughs> Damo, uh, we have talked a couple times already about the edge. One of the guys who's going to play some edge for the Eagles this upcoming year is Brandon Graham. And he's coming back from the major injury. He is not, not only do they need him to be productive, they need him to be a defensive leader on this team because Rodney McLeod is now elsewhere. And uh, BG wasn't part of that huddle last year. And Rodney took over a big chunk of the defensive leadership responsibilities. Well, that's now a void that needs to be filled. And I think Graham could do that, but he's got to be able to be on the field to do it. You've covered guys who are returning from injuries one year, coming back the next. Are there any telltale signs? Can we just take Brandon Graham's word that he's progressing nicely? We only get X amount of time to view these guys, and it keeps getting cut back, and they work out less than they've ever worked out before because that's the way they've collectively bargained it. How are we going to know what Brandon Graham is going to be able to bring to the table in 2022? Jody, I don't think we know. I don't think Brandon knows. I mean, Brandon can talk a, a, as optimistically as he wants. He's not 26 anymore. He's not 28. He's, what, 34? Yeah, um, going to be 34. 24-year-old guys break down under the best of circumstances, let alone coming off a major injury. So, I mean, the chances of him playing 16 games this season and playing at a high level, I mean, I love Brandon. and, and, and but, but the chances of that happening are, are you know, of him – being an elite player like he was before he got hurt and playing all season without getting hurt are very, are minimal. So, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to watch his snaps. Uh, that's the only, you got to do that with a 34 year old guy coming off a major injury. Uh, and that's going to mean he's not going to be on the field as much. I think he, regardless, he's going to be a tremendous leader for them uh, in that locker room. You know, I think they've got to be a little bit uh, and I, and I think Gannon will be a little bit more creative this year with, moving guys around, especially let's say they get Jordan Davis. <clears throat> then you, maybe you move Cox outside occasionally. Maybe you use Milton Williams on the edge more. 
you can do that kind of stuff when you've got a 341-pound guy stand, uh, lining up next to Javon Hargrave. So, uh, and that would allow you to, you know, to to take some snap stress off of uh, off of Brandon. But uh, so, you know, uh, but to your original question, I'm not optimistic that he's going to stay in one piece and have a Pro Bowl season. Yeah, 34 at that eight. But anybody can do it. It's Brandon because he works so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a great athlete. But when you start to lose explosion at that position, it's got to be a concern. And that's why I think edge rusher is so important for the Eagles. But I'll end it here with you, Dama. I've been ending it here all week with people because I find it interesting. But follow Paul on uh, Twitter at pdamo. The 33rdteam.com, he's doing his positional breakdowns right now with Ben Fennell. Those are great. Um, the Eagles were bad on special teams last year, Damo. And Aaron Sipas, you know, if it were an eight-game season, he was pretty solid. Problem is he plays 17 now. So the Eagles yeah. might need a punter. The best punter in a generation, Jody, I'm using that correctly, generational talented punter would the Eagles ever consider it? I mean, they're a team that goes for it on fourth down all the time. So it's even less valuable than normal, but this kid's different. Uh, day two, any chance of a punter, Matt, erase it coming to Philadelphia. Well, you know, they've got the five in the first 101, which gives them flexibility to be a, a team that thinks outside the box. Uh, you know, it's an important part of their game. I mean, field position's big, and, and they've lost field position battles, you know, game in and game out over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't put it past them, and I wouldn't criticize it if they did. I mean, if you've got a guy that you think can can be a game changer, uh, even if you are a team that goes for it a lot on fourth down, I would consider it. All right, Damo, last one for me. I'm going to give you – two pieces of information slash opinion generated by yours truly. And I need you to put it into an Eagle perspective. Okay. Daniel Snyder's in hot water. (laughs) Congress is looking into him about uh, irregularities with uh, declaring income coming in from other teams and gate receipts and the like. We know he's already in hot water to begin with because of all the issues, sexual harassment and whatever with the team. The NFL is going to have to take a stance with Daniel Snyder if it could go so high as to, say, force to be sell a team like they did with the Panthers owner. So be it. Um, but Daniel Snyder's the water's getting even hotter in D.C. for him. And I saw a report today that the Giants are interested in Sam Howell, the UNC quarterback, another ACC quarterback who can't play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Good news, bad news for the Philadelphia Eagle on those two fronts. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that Daniel Snyder could get kicked the hell out of the nation's capital? And if uh, Sam Howell, who, according to John, there are some people in the Eagle organization that like Sam Howell. If the Giants are the team that grabs him, is that good news or bad news for the Eagles? Well, first, first point, I think it's it would be it would be bad news if, if if Snyder gets kicked out because I mean the man's a, a complete idiot who's who's held that franchise down for twenty plus years. Uh, but I think it's a realistic possibility. You know, you, you can mess with you know you can you can do all the you can do anything, but you can't you mess can do with anything the money. With your, 
you know the whole the whole sexual harassment and yeah. and stuff and and the league will will act like it really is upset about that but you know they're not upset they don't care enough but when you start taking you know visiting gate money away from teams taking money out of Jeffrey Lurie's pocket out of all these other guys pocket that'll get you kicked out of the league and it's about <laughs> I, mean, I think they've got enough again I mean he, the, the the body of evidence against him already is, is so has grown to a point where uh, I think they're going to suggest he sell the team. Uh, with regard to Howell, I mean, I think Daniel Jones is is I I'm not a big Howell fan, so I think it would help the Eagles because uh, I think Daniel Jones could be a good eventually will be a good quarterback with a cat the right cast around him. You do you uh, like Daniel Jones, huh? Yeah, I mean, I like I, I like him better than I like Howell, uh, you know, over time. So I think it would be a good thing for the Eagles. Yeah, I don't like either one of them. Uh, ACC quarterbacks. They got no that cover. ACC bias. Come on, Jim. Yes, I do. Can't uh, scout the helmet. Can't scout the helmet. That's uh, what they say. If there's enough helmets lined up that have cracked and broken, I say you can scout the helmet. Uh, Damo, always great. The, the, uh, did they take a break from work? I didn't hear one yeah. saw. They're one doing hammer a good job. The Keeping it quiet. There was no issue whatsoever. Yeah. They heard you guys talking, and uh, they said, uh-oh, we got to – Oh, this is gotta... important. <laughs> yeah. why, why am I doubting that? This is important yeah. stuff. We hope the work goes well, though. Thank you. They're, 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 they're working quickly. I, mean, I you know, I, We're getting our house recited, and, uh, you know, I thought it was going to be like four months before that, you know, from, from experience on other jobs yeah. uh, that we've had done, I thought it would take that long before they get out here, and they call like <laughs> – a week ago and said, hey, we'll be there Monday. <laughs> so tomorrow will be their true test, though. I, we're babysitting our grandson, who's eight months old, and I don't think he's going to take too kindly to the hammering, Ooh. but we'll see how it goes. Okay. Yeah, you had a couple Murphy's of babies. Law today. Show, showing up tomorrow for you because yeah. – You betcha. You betcha. Damo, thanks, bud. Uh, we'll uh, get you up uh, as soon as the draft's over and done with get your analysis then. Thanks for leading into it with us today. You better care, guys. Paul nice Dunwich uh, from Philly Mag and the 33rdteam.com giving us some draft perspective, specifically Eagle draft perspective. All right, coming back, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, the Mac of Mac, Birds 365 guys. We'll get a uh, another mock guy up next hour. Ryan Wilson from CBSSports.com and CBS HQ will come on and give us some draft uh, insight and info. We'll come back. I got a couple more things to run by my partner, John McMullen, next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say. 
We got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Wednesday get-together here on Birds 365. Thanks to all of you who've jumped in on the stream. Thanks to our contributors on the stream, uh, our uh, resident commenters. They're a bright group. Some of them a little cynical. Some of them a little off-base. But a lot of them know exactly what they're talking about. And I appreciate you guys throwing your comments up there while we're on the air. And, John, we ask every single one of the 209 people that are uh, watching right now to do what? Like, share, subscribe. Hit that like button. We could use your help. Uh, our algorithm needs some juicing. Uh, each and every single like does Gotta help juice. Us. In this case, juicing is good, Jody. Yes. Gotta juice up that algorithm. Sometimes You're right. Sometimes, depending on your word, uh, the definition of the word juice, sometimes juicing is good. Sometimes it'll get you in trouble. All right, uh, quick peek behind the curtain. I was going to ask John a question about uh, the franchise tag in the National Football League, and I'll get to it in a second, but before before we do, uh, during the break, yours truly ran upstairs to get a refreshner for my coffee. Uh, so the wife is upstairs, and she's watching what she's watching, and usually it's some news station. Um, yours truly is watching some sports station downstairs. She's watching some news station upstairs. Uh, so I said, good morning. Cause she came down. I was up and down here in the man cave before she ever got up this morning. Um, and I'm refreshing my coffee, juicing up. Uh, and 
Joel Klatt is talking about football on my wife's TV. I said, what the heck are you listening to, honey? And she said, Fox News, which is the station she's got on about 90% of the time during the day. And I, what the hell are they talking about football on Fox News for? Oh, the USFL is arriving. And that oh, is yeah. yeah. Fox property. So they're trying to do the cross-promotion thing of football on the news station to get people who wouldn't watch football or aren't that huge a football fan to realize, oh, there's a spring league. The USFL is returned or whatever. Uh, so I just thought it was very funny that my wife's up there and she's on her phone while she's at it. But I I'm more listening to her TV than she is because Joel Klatt's talking about the upcoming USFL season. John, I'm being 100% honest here. The USFL has not caught my fancy. I'm, not caught. It starts this weekend, Jody. Uh, okay. Not caught your fancy. I not, know that because they're doing a good job. I give them credit. I just got a email from them this morning about they made a deal with Andrews Sports Medicine, which blah blah blah. It's not you know everybody works with Andrews Sports Medicine, but um, they do a good job. They're pushing it pretty well. You know, what, what's, what's interesting to me about the spring football landscape is it never works, yet everybody keeps trying. Yeah. And the XFL is going to be back again next year, this time with Dwayne Johnson running it, The Rock, uh, and his ex-wife, Danny Garcia. Um, and then you're going to have two. And it's interesting to see, you know, boxes behind this version of the USFL. I think NBC as well is televising some games. Uh, so that, you know, they get the head start. But does it matter? I mean, people, look, for hardcore football people, I'll watch the USFL. I'll, I'll watch it. I watched the XFL before the pandemic, the last version. Yeah, why not? Uh, it's spring. There's nothing else. Um See, it, but that's, it, that's that's the problem. Maybe there's nothing else for you, and you get paid uh, handsomely for talking about football in several different areas, talking about and or writing about football. Uh, for a guy like me, I need to talk about all sports. Yeah. So yeah. if there's a baseball game on and a USFL game on at the same time, I'm watching the baseball game. If there's an NBA playoff game and a USFL game on at the same time, there is no question I'm watching the NBA game. You have to be a pretty big diehard, just stone-cold yeah. football fan that's to the watch problem. a USFL game in the spring. It's only hardcore fans, and that that's not enough. People aren't going to pay for a minor league product, and ultimately, and by people, I mean television executives when they figure it out um and fans themselves i mean look minor league baseball it, 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 i love going to minor league baseball games just fun i love going up to trenton when um you know the yankees affiliate was there uh, and i forget who the affiliate is there now but uh it's just it's just a fun atmosphere um minor league but but it's not you know people aren't aren't going to sit and watch it on television they're not gonna you know if you want to have fun on a nice day and enjoy yourself it, it's it's that kind of thing um you know leagues even 
the original USFL, which tried to sign and did sign some pretty significant players, you know, even that can't compete. If you want to go way back to the ABA and basketball, they had a ton of great players, starting with Julius Irving. Um, you know, they couldn't compete. It, it, people are only going to get behind what they see as the number one product. And, you know, that's what Tony Khan is trying to do in wrestling. Good luck. Good luck, buddy. He's losing it on Twitter. I, I mentioned it before. And you got to worry about the Jaguars. Maybe concern yourself about the Jaguars. It's it's not easy to compete with the the brand, so to speak. And the brand in football is obviously the NFL. Now, the interesting thing about the XFL, and whether it's Dwayne Johnson's name or whatever, as you know, maybe the biggest star in Hollywood, he's been able to get something that other people haven't been able to get. And that's some um, relationship with the NFL. They're doing some things with the NFL. The NFL is teaming up with the XFL to try some new rules to test out officiating when it comes back. They just made a deal with the NFL alumni to try to get a better path uh, forward for players. So they're, they have a good relationship with the league. Maybe that helps them a little bit, but nobody's going to sit and watch minor league football. And by nobody, I mean casual fans and to the point where it becomes a success. We've been through this a hundred times. Yeah, and it doesn't ring the bell for me. It may for others, and God bless you, that that big a football fan. And here's why I at least understand them trying, but if they had consulted with me, I would have told them, yeah, it's not going to be enough to move the needle. I think at least in this particular case with the USFL and then deciding to come back, I think a big part of it had to do with gambling that because it is so now widespread across the country and so many states have legalized gambling and apps that you can get action in on your phone, you don't even have to go anywhere to go place a bet, that they thought that that would be enough to drive interest to the sport, to the teams, that if you've got action on a game, well, then you're that much more likely to uh, tune into the game on TV and or spend whatever the 50 60 bucks it is for a ticket to go even for a minor league game do you think they're going to get action do you think people are really going to bet on usfl games that they're going to do their research to learn here's why it annoyed me it, it seemed to be like they were generalizing the betting public out there that people just bet for the sake of betting, that they have to have action. There is a percentage, of course, that are just degenerate gamblers, and they probably actually have a problem that they're doing something like that, having action for the sake of having action. I think most people try and make uh, rational bets, well-educated bets to try and win and make money. I don't know any of these USFL players. I don't know who's good. I don't Brian know who's Scott, got a good baby. roster. Build up your stars quarterback. Yeah. I mean, nobody does. Um, yeah. Gambling. I mean, the AAF, if you remember that, the the Alliance of American Football, whatever the heck it was. My buddy Gary Myers was a, a, yeah. a consultant for them. And Dick Eversall's kid, um, Charlie Eversall, 
know, probably took some people for a ride with that, to be honest. But um, they they made a big thing about gambling. They were like they were going to have this this state of the art app that nobody else had, and they they built the whole foundation on on that league of of people gambling essentially real time gambling. Oh, well, this app has never been done. We have they they made such that the intellectual property of this app is going to be sold for blah blah. They were con men, to be honest. But you know, in the NFL, for all the talk of of gambling, and that's a big part of it. And and you know, don't get me wrong. And there's talk about this explosion in gambling money. What the only reason the NFL bought gambling for so long is because they didn't see how they were getting their piece of the pie. They don't want to make other people money. They want to make themselves money. So until they could get involved, they wanted no part of it. And that's understandable as well. But I've always thought it, it, the NFL, when it, when it comes to TV ratings, and that's what drives everything, TV rights fees, that, that you need casual fans. That's why the NFL is popular. The fact that everybody sits down on Super Bowl Sunday from, you know, your wife, my wife, people who don't like football. It might be the halftime show. It might be the commercials. It might be something, nothing to do with football. But everybody in this country is paying attention. I've always thought it's a small uh, piece of the pie that people make too much of, to be honest the gambling aspect because if you're looking at the people that watch the NFL what would you put the percentage at that gambles on games i think it's very very small really I think it's very very small very oh, no small. no 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 john it's big i and i here's, we here's, we firmly disagree the, on that here's the reason why fantasy football counts as gambling well, a little bit more. That spikes it out. If you're going to count that, I mean the hardcore. Oh, oh, oh yeah, it, I sure they'll do. But count I still it think it's small. If you're putting money up to predict the outcome of games, be they yards uh, gained and/or final scores, that's gambling on your sport. I still think I it's it spikes it up a little bit than just traditional thought. Like I'm taking the Eagles minus three or whatever. Um, so you have all this other aspect, and certainly, yeah, the explosion of that. That's why the NFL is making money off it now. Um, but again, compared and and that's what people talk about it all the time. They talked about social media this way as well, Jody. It's going to explode. It's going to explode. Look at the league's revenue and look at the TV rights fees compared to everything else. And that tells you all you need to know. Until yeah, it why, explodes. Why do you think the casual fans are tuning in? Uh, well, because they're gambling. I, yeah. I know, I don't, I know so many women who watch football and I don't think I know one that gambles on football. I, I, I don't. I, I I'm sure there are, but I I mean, I they just watch it because they're maybe their boyfriends like it, maybe their husbands like it, maybe you know it's a chance to get together. It's this, it's that. It, I think the sport is so much bigger than gambling, and I just I the bottom line to me in every industry is the money. 
where does the money come from? And until now, people have been predicting it for years. Now, maybe it explodes. And if it explodes and I'll say, all right, I was wrong. It was a bigger part than I thought. But until that happens, and by the way, there is no stinking way gambling even gets to 10% of the revenue the NFL gets from TV rights fees. No, no way, uh, even I, at its apex. I even agree at its with apex. that, but I think that the gambling money that's being spent has helped to drive the TV revenues as every other watching of television aspect goes down. Primetime uh, on networks, because it's so spread to streaming and everything else. Ratings just go down, 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 down across the board, except the National Football League, which either holds steady or increases. Every other sport on TV is going backwards. Every other entertainment value on TV is going backwards because there is just so many options and everything gets so well spread. There's one that's holding its ground, the National Football League. Why do you think that is? Increased gambling. I firmly believe that. Well, but why isn't it holding true for other sports? I mean, people gamble on other sports. I mean, the NFL is well, more people, popular. People gamble on football. It's it's an imbalance that I'm not smart enough to be able to explain, but people like gambling on football. It's why the USFL is doing what it's doing. It's why the AAF attempted to do what they did. They knew that there was a market to tap into. Now you have to tap into it correctly and you have to have a draw and you've got to have something for the people to sink their teeth into. And I think part of it is, again, maybe I'm giving too much credit to the gamblers out there. I think they need to know what they're gambling on. They're not just gambling for gambling's sake. You have to have a product with recognizable names and the like, and none of these spring leagues yeah. have been able to do that. But I do believe... now. Nick Khan, who I don't know if you know, but he used to be one of the the big wig in when it comes to TV rights fees. Used to work for CAA. Now he works for WWE. Uh, runs the company. Nobody understands TV rights fees uh, better than this guy. He negotiated uh, Basically, all the explosive rights fees for UFC, WWE, and you know major sports as well. Nobody understands that landscape better. And I've been lucky enough to talk to him on a couple of occasions. The reason all of these things are starting is because of, they see the exploding TV numbers for not only the NFL, but also the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, NASCAR, WWE, UFC, everybody. And they say, well, if we can get 10% of that, we can make a lot of money. And that's why they're all starting these startups in all these different industries is because they think there's TV rights speed money there. And to this point, and, and it's Nick's belief, they'll pay for the brand, the top brand. They're not going to pay for the minor. And, and to, he's been right to this point. He's been right. They're not playing, paying for the second team. They're only paying for the price team, for the first team. But they pay the premium for the first team. And everybody opens their eyes and say, oof, if they're making that and we make just 10% of that, Jody, 
That's why all these things have started up. Well, they can start up, but then they have to be able to last. The AAF started up. Where are they today? Oops. Didn't quite uh, grab a hold, did they? All right, uh, we got to take a timeout because we've got our second guest uh, scheduled to join us. Uh, we're going to jump back into the football conversation. We got off in a little bit of a tangent, a little bit of a uh, rabbit hole. Uh, we're going to get Ryan Wilson from CBSSports.com and CBS HQ Draft Insider for CBS joining us next year on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. got your Mag and Mag Birds 365 show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. McDonald and McMullen hanging with you. We've got a third party to enter into the mix. The countdown is on just 15 days before Roger Goodell goes to the podium and says, with the first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select. Who's that going to be, Ryan Wilson? Thank you very much for joining us. Who's going to be the first pick by Roger Goodell two weeks from tomorrow night? 
Jody, John, thanks for having me on, guys. It, that is the question because, um, you know, Jody, I told you this the other day on the radio, There, there is no Trevor Lawrence, there is no Joe Burrow, there is no even Kyler Murray, a guy who played another sport but was so good that he was considered the first overall pick by the time the draft happened. So now we're left to figure out, is it going to be a defensive player or, or an offensive lineman? The Jaguars have a ton of needs. Uh, that's how you get the first overall pick two years in a row. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is, is my number one player. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to Jacksonville because they've drafted edge rushers in the first round in two of the last three years. And I think the, the story there is if you keep drafting edge rushers, it's not going to make your team uh, much better than they have been. So personally, I would take a, an offensive tackle. I would take Iki Kwanu, who, who I love, or even Evan Neal, if that's your guy, if you're GM Trent Baalke, because that immediately helps your quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, who took close to 5,000 sacks last year. Yes, you franchise Cam Robinson, the left tackle. Yes, you signed Brandon Scherf from Washington to play on the interior there. Keep going. Don't don't let up. You have a ton of picks. You pick at one. You pick again at 33. So if I were the Jaguars thinking about some combination of offensive linemen and edge rusher, I would go offensive lineman first because that's a little deeper at the top of the draft. Come back at 33 and get an edge rusher who will be plenty good enough to help you uh, on a team that obviously needs plenty of help. That said, Trevon Walker's name I haven't even mentioned out of Georgia. He's going to be in the conversation as well. So I think it's going to be down to three guys, Aiden Hutchinson, Trevon Walker, and then whether you like Evan Neal or Iki Kwanu. It sounds like listening to the to the sort of media, social media, draft media tea leaves, which at this time of year you, you, you really can't trust, that it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. But, man, the Jaguars have no reason to, to tell people what they're going to do. So I think that offensive lineman is very much still in the mix. Ryan, I'm going to give you a fourth option for Jacksonville trade the heck out could they could they trade out it's not the year you know we look at this draft and as you mentioned there is no Trevor Lawrence there is no everybody likes a different flavor you mentioned a number of the names who could go number one overall but I know Doug Peterson well and I know where he comes from here in Philadelphia and I before that Andy Reid and before that Andy Reid here in Philadelphia And the Eagles like offensive linemen. But Jacksonville is such a wild card because Trent Baalke, as you mentioned, uh, Tony Khan's out there, you know, playing wrestling. We don't know what they're going to do. It's rare that you have such a wild card at the top of the draft, but why don't they just trade out if the option is there? Yeah, I mean, that's the best-case scenario. I was talking to someone – uh, in the Jags organization at the Senior Bowl, and they said, man, I hope these quarterbacks ball out this week because we would love to have the opportunity to get out of here. They didn't quite ball out. They they held their own. They, they did a good job. But, again, there was no sort of uh, changing of opinion to the, to the point where I think that a team would be interested in trading for a quarterback. That said, if a team loves an offensive lineman or if a team loves uh, Aiden Hutchinson or, or Trevon Walker, they could be convinced to trade up. Now, they're not coming from 19 no, or 20. Yeah. But perhaps they're coming from four or five, where the Jets, who have picked four and picked ten, and, and the Giants have picked five and picked seven, maybe they could be interested. But I'm sure at this point the Jaguars will, will entertain any offers because, as you note, there's not going to be a, a game-changing player that you draft that's going to take your team from one or two wins to, to ten wins. And, and I think if they're forced to stay put, I, I think it gets, it's a lot more interesting than, than just the uh, sort of media assumptions that they, they'll go defense and probably Hutchinson or, or Trevon Walker of Georgia. I I need your ability to judge cornerback talent, Ryan, because uh, John and I are are Eagle-centric guys. And last year, 
John makes his point all the time, and I agree wholeheartedly with him. The Eagles, when the draft got to a particular spot, had three guys they wanted to get their hands on who were still left on the board, two of which were cornerbacks and one of which was a wide receiver. And the corner went, cornerbacks went back to back picks in the first round. And they said, uh-oh, we better go get Devontae Smith. So they moved up the two spots to get him. The two cornerbacks that went in the top 10 last year, coming into the draft, better than Sauce Gardner, pretty much equivalent to Sauce Gardner, not as good as Sauce Gardner. Everybody wants to see the Eagles somehow finagle a way to get their hands on Sauce Gardner. How good is he? How aggressive will the Eagles have to be if they want to move up and take them? couple of picks, five picks, 10 picks. How far <laughs> is it going to take for the Eagles to be able to get in a position to take Sauce Gardner? And should they? Well, first things first, you can thank the Saints for that insane trade where the Saints, I don't care which chart you use, didn't win that trade. I mean, the amount of stuff they gave up to get up, move up a few spots and still don't position themselves for, for uh, an offensive tackle if that's the plan. And they may not position themselves for a wide receiver if that's the plan. We'll see what happens. I don't think this story is finished yet for the Saints, but that's great news for the Eagles. So J.C. Horn, <clears throat> J.C. Horn and, 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 and Sauce Gardner are probably comparable in that over the summer prior to them coming out, um, they weren't yet a finished product. I remember watching Jace, uh, Sauce Gardner over the summer thinking, sweet Jesus, he's long and he's fast. I wanted to be a little more physical. And he was a lot more physical this year. And he he's my top cornerback. And it's close. I'm not going to say it's not even close. We just know that Derek Stingley only played three games last year because of the foot injury. And never quite replicated what we saw in 2019. I, I still think he's going to be a really good football player. Um, that said, so... With Sauce Gardner, I think we knew Patrick Sertain was going to be a really good player. I, I mean, we knew it because he played at Alabama. We knew it because he, he sustained that play for, for several seasons there. And we knew it because his dad was, was a really good football player, too. And they all sort of added up. So I, I wasn't surprised um, that they went close together by the time the draft rolled around. <clears throat> Jesse Horn did himself a lot of favor with the way, favors with the way he played at South Carolina before. I think he opted out towards the end of the season once he made a coaching change. As for Sauce Gardner, there are very few holes in his game. Um, he, he didn't play in the SEC, but when he played SEC opponents, he looked like he belonged there and he looked like he belonged each and every week. Uh, I mentioned I wanted him to get more physical. He got incredibly more physical, both uh, within the route and, and coming downhill in run support. Uh, this guy gave up exactly zero touchdowns throughout his college career. That gets your attention. Um, and he's squeaky clean off the field. I think he said at the combine he'd never had a drink or a smoke. Um, so you, you know, his, his body's in slightly better shape than mine. So that's good for him there. <laughs> now the question becomes how far are the Eagles going to have to trade up? Like he's going in the top 10. And then the question becomes, would the jets consider him at four? And I don't even think that's outrageous. Now the jets may want to go in another direction. may want to get an edge rusher wide receiver, whatever. But I think the conversation probably starts around four or five and that's where you need to get to. If I'm the Eagles and I did a three round mock draft on, Monday, I do a mock draft every <laughs> every week until the end of time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, 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 a, it's a thing, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, but I had them taking Sauce's teammate in the third round, Kobe Bryant. He's not the player Sauce is, but he's a veteran. Played three or four seasons there in terms of starting. Uh, solid player. Um, but again, that's round three. You would like to do something sooner than that if you really want to fix that problem. So here's the, the math that I'm doing. Is it worth trading up to seven or eight for sauce Gardner and what that will cost or can the Eagles stay put and maybe move up two or three spots. You have to get ahead of probably the Vikings at 12 to get Derek Stingley. 
And that's the math that, that they're going to have to do in the front office there in Philadelphia to, to sort out. I like Sauce Gardner better, but that doesn't mean that Derek Stanley's not going to be a good football player. And when you're in the process, you're not rebuilding the team. A lot of the picks probably going to be some wide receivers taken, of course, for Philadelphia, and then some picks in the secondary uh, as well. So there's not a lot of work to do. But if you want to, if you covet those picks to the point that you, you, you don't want to blow through them all just to get one player, maybe you quote unquote settle for uh, a Derek Stingley as opposed to going up to get Sauce Gardner. I think you can't go wrong with either player. It's just how, how much are you willing to pay to go get those guys? Well, if you really want to settle, Ryan, you just stay at 15, maybe even 18, and you have a Trent McDuffie or an Andrew Booth perhaps that could fall to you. What what do you think the drop off between the top two guys you mentioned, Gardner and Stingley, to that next level of of McDuffie and and Andrew Booth at corner? Yeah, and that's not even really. I don't even think that's settling. Uh, that actually might end up being the better play. Uh, Trent McDuffie is a fantastic football player. Uh, I'm on the East Coast. You guys are on the East Coast. Sometimes we don't watch a lot of Pac-12 football because it starts at midnight. Feels like, and those games go on till three or four in the morning. So a lot of folks probably haven't seen Trent McDuffie play. He is a fantastic football player. He played primarily outside at Washington, but he can play in the slide. And we talked to him at the combine and he said, man, I'll play anywhere. And, and you talk to people around that program and they, they can't rave enough about how incredibly smart he is. He will tackle you. Now, there's no concerns about him tackling. He is fantastic at coverage. He moves well in space. I think he had really good times at the combine. Uh, maybe in the range of the four forwards, I think. And that showed up on tape. I, I don't think this is settling at all. If you got him in the middle of the first round, he could be gone before then. If you got him there and had to give up nothing, that's a home run. Andrew Booth is another guy I like a lot out of Clemson. He just hasn't played a ton of football. Um, really good season last year. In fact, he played better than, than Darian Kendrick, his former running mate at Clemson, who transferred to Georgia. Had a good year, but not a great year. Had a terrible, terrible combine just going to hurt his draft stock. Andrew Booth is a good young football player, and he's he's so smooth. And, again, when you see these guys, and a lot of times we fall in love with the, with the combine numbers, uh, I'm glad you ran a 4-8, but if, if, you, if you're so stiff in the middle of the field that you can't turn around, it doesn't really do anyone any good. So you have to try to, try to convince yourself to, to look at not only those combine numbers, but to remember how they played during the season. Andrew Booth was, was a great football player. He feels like he could be there in the 20s, only because I think other guys ahead of them will be overdrafted, whether it's edge rushers or offensive linemen or, of course, some of these quarterbacks. But I think those are two guys that could legitimately be there for one or, or, or both of those uh, Eagles picks if they decided not to, to trade up for Sauce or, or, or Derek Stingley. And I don't think there's a huge enough drop-off that you could say that Sauce is worth um, a third-round pick or a second-round pick more than, than Trent McDuffie to go get him. I, I would stay put and keep the second-round pick, I think. Unless, of course, you're on the air on CBS Sports Radio till 2 o'clock in the morning. Then you are up watching back then. For <laughs> yes, there you go. While you're doing a show, you just can't zero in as much as you would like to do. But I digress. All right, a hypothetical question for you. And it's something that John and I have kicked around plenty leading up to the draft. Uh, he, he and I agree that there are five edge rushers that are probably going to go in the first 14, 15, 16 picks, and that's where the Eagles' first pick is. They may or may not get a shot at one of the top guys. If you take a Jabo out because of the injury and you don't say he's the top five, um, three are going to go in the top five, ten max, and you get Karloftis and uh, maybe Jermaine Johnson into the mix. If the Eagles don't get a shot at one of those edge guys, 
Who's number six? Do you put a Jabo in there, even though you know you're going to have to wait for him to come back from injury and going to roll the dice a little bit if you think that that drops him even further down? Who's the next edge rusher for you that the Eagles probably won't take at 15 but may think about taking it 18? I don't know. So the Eagles also pick at 51, uh, the 51st overall in the second round. I don't know if a job will be there. He may end up going late in the first because it's, it's the thing is the, uh, the Achilles injuries and the ACLs, we know how players respond from those things because there have been so many of them. They're not like the Tua talking about a little hip injury where we like, oh, we have no idea how this is going to play out. So I, I think that has mitigated some of the concern from NFL teams. But that said, they're, they're, those guys, Jameson Williams, the wide receiver, of course, out of Alabama, ACL, and then Ajabo aren't going to go as high as they would have gone. So if we take Ajabo out of the mix, I don't think he's going to be there at 51. Uh, you mentioned Jermaine Johnson. I love Boya Mafe out of Minnesota. He, you do. He's about 260, 265. He plays much lighter than that, and I, that's not a bad thing. I mean, he's incredibly quick when you watch him play, and he looks like he's 240. But he's a big guy. He, stand, he has his hands off uh, two-point stance a lot. Doesn't put his hand in the ground, but that doesn't mean he can't do it. That's just something he'll have to learn. Uh, he is fun, and I like him better than George Karloftis. So George Karloftis would be, I have a like a second round grade on Karloftis. Wow. I know some, okay. I know some teams, and I've talked to teams about this. They they don't consider him, uh, at least some of the ones I talked to don't consider him a, a top ten pick. Probably more late first round. I just thought that he wasn't a, as consistently explosive as I want him to be. That doesn't mean he can't be. It does, he reminds me a little bit of A.J. Epinesa out of Iowa, who's a good football player, went in the second round uh, to the Bills. Uh, he's probably a little better than that, so late first-round guy. But look, man, if the Eagles love him and they love him in the middle of the first round, they should definitely take him because I'm just one dude with an opinion. But my, my fate would be my guy after Jermaine Johnson. And I have uh, Jermaine Johnson, my, my – Great on him was like about the, the in the mid to late first round, like the 20 range, um, just based on all the other players in the draft class. He's a really good football player, had a great season at Florida State. But I think Mafe is more explosive. And then after that, there's a little drop off to the to the middle of the second round, whether it's Kingsley Ignacbare out of South Carolina, Mike J. Sanders, Sauce Gardner's teammate out of Cincinnati, who was incredibly long. And the first time I saw Sauce Gardner walking, uh, behind us in the combat, I actually thought it was Maje Sanders because they're both about six four and both weigh about two. What looks to be about two fifteen. Maje is up to two thirty or something, I think. And then uh, another name to keep an eye on is Arnold Ebiketti out of Penn State. Temple transfer, another yeah. insane athlete off the edge who's still sort of learning the position, and, and he's going to get better as well. I, maybe he's there at fifty one. I'm not sure, but there's been some first round buzz about him. I don't like him that much, but again. I'm just looking at him as a as a Penn State player. I have no idea what he's going to look like in two, three, four years, which is obviously what these NFL teams are trying to figure out. Yeah, and the Eagles just had a top thirty visit uh, with oh, Eddie Ketty. So, uh, and and somebody they had in yesterday. So, Ryan, you're an East Coast guy. We're in Philadelphia, so it's a tradition unlike any other. It's April in Philadelphia. I'm not talking about the Masters. I'm talking about they're going to take a wide receiver in the first round of the draft because they have to. Again, um, they had Jamison Williams in yesterday coming off the torn ACL. What's your favorite favorite flavor at the wide receiver position? I thought you were going to say a tradition unlike any other. Uh, the Eagles are not going to draft a linebacker in the first round. Well, that, yeah, that, that, that is. That too. Terry Robinson has already popped the court. I said, you know, he 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 doesn't – you can buy the champagne early. You can't pop it. But, you know, they signed Kaiser White, so he can pop it. Right, that's right, yeah. In terms of the wide receivers, I'm actually okay with them 
tripling down, I guess. Jalen Rager, uh, obviously, two years ago, and then Devontae Smith last year. And I think um, adding another wide receiver will perhaps take some of the pressure off Jalen Rager. Maybe this is the year that he he performs like that that first-round pick that they were looking for. So Jameson uh, Williams is my, my wide receiver one. Obviously, he tore the ACL, so that changed things. He'll be ready to go in November, I would imagine, if there are no setbacks, and he'll Maybe he's not 100% until the 2023 season, but 85%, I think, it gets you started. Um, Jeffrey Simmons, who was drafted by the Titans a few years ago, the defensive tackle, he went in the, the second half, the latter half of the first round. He's a top-five talent. He came back in November and was just dominating off that ACL that he tore in February before. So I, I don't think it's a huge concern, but if you're a coach, you want a player in, in August. You don't want him uh, around Thanksgiving. So as we sit here, Garrett Wilson is my wide receiver one at Ohio State. I love the way he plays. He would be 1B if uh, James Williams was completely healthy. He reminds me in terms of his athleticism and his playmaking ability and his ability to get the line of scrimmage of Odell Beckham at his best. And that's that's pretty good. I think he, he goes in the top 10. He could even go eight uh, to the Falcons there because they have so many needs. Um, 1B for me is Drake Jackson. Out of USC, 6'4", about 215. His pro day is coming up later this week. He hasn't had it yet. And I don't think he ran prior to that at the combine. I think he was had some nagging injury. But he played with Michael Pittman at USC. I think he's going to be better than Michael Pittman, who went in the second round to the Colts. And I, I like Michael Pittman a lot. He's a high-point catch machine. He's a contested catch machine. There's some you know rumblings that you read on, online that he doesn't separate. I am I'm ignoring all those. He separates fine. If you watch him play, again, Jody, if you were watching those USC games while you were working, yeah. you saw him running past guys consistently. And I was talking to a scout about him a couple months ago, and he said, man, Drake Jackson is, for me, um, a bigger version of Devontae Adams. Second-round pick, by the way, Devontae Adams. So I think it just reinforces the fact that we don't know what we're talking about. Like, you go look at that draft class where Devontae, Ad- Devontae Adams went in the middle of the second round, and you're like, what, what are you guys smoking? But – um it's at this point, and this is something that I have to combat all the time. It's groupthink, and you hear things, and you you hear things yeah, enough, yeah. you start to believe it. So I have yeah. to try to convince myself of, of what I believed in December and January, and, and sort of reinforce those things. And then after that is Traylon Burks, who ran a four five five at the combine, and, and that got some people's attention. But again, another guy who played against SEC cornerbacks and safeties and dominated, and he was again running by guys with that four five five speed. If you like Juju Smith-Schuster, if you like Debo Samuel, if you like a little bit of A.J. Brown but not quite that fast, Traylon Burks is the guy for you, and, and I like him a lot, and I think that he makes sense. He would make sense in Philadelphia because he he lines up in the backfield sometimes. He runs into rounds. He has a speed to turn the corner, but I think if he doesn't go there, Green Bay makes sense. Kansas City makes sense. Pittsburgh makes sense. They just lost Juju Smith-Schuster to KC. So there, there are a lot of guys there. Um a lot of teams there that make sense for Traylon Burks. Then finally, I'll mention Chris Olave, who typically I have going in the second half of the first round. Uh, not as explosive uh, for me as, as Garrett Wilson. I thought Garrett Wilson played a little faster, even though Garrett told me at the combine that Christian um, Olave was faster than he was. Didn't play that way. And uh, he's still a good football player, great route runner. Uh, I, I If I'm the Eagles... He's a good ball, uh, a good good ball player, but he's not a, a game changer. He's not a Traylon Burks for me. He's not a Drake Jackson. He, he's not a, a Garrett Wilson, but someone that that can certainly help your football team. All right, uh, a tradition above and beyond all others, including the Eagles not taking a linebacker since 1979, is the Eagles have never taken a safety with a first round draft pick. But what if? What if? I, I'll go to the maximum. 
Forget about pick uh, 15. The Eagles have a player, wide receiver, an edge rusher that's fallen to them, and they're excited about it, and they can't pass, and they take him. Let's go to pick 18. Between those two Eagle picks, the Chargers and the Saints decide not to take the best safety on the board. That Kyle Hamilton falls all the way down to 18. Does Howie Roseman say, forget history, forget the devaluation of the safety play. We've got maybe the best football player in the draft sitting there at 18, and we have a hole in safety, by the by a matter of fact. Can Kyle Hamilton fall to the Eagles in his upcoming draft? No, look, never say never. Don't forget, Derwin James fell down to 17 or wherever he fell to when uh, a few years ago when the Chargers took him. And at the time, it was sort of confusing, and it's played out to be sort of a confusing pick uh, <laughs> because he should have gone much higher. He struggled with, with staying healthy, but when he's healthy, he's a game changer. And the thing about Kyle Hamilton is he ran into the four sevens at his pro day. That wasn't great for sure. I think he ran four five nine at, at the combine, which is no issue whatsoever. But he plays much faster than that. And, and if you are willing to overlook the combine or you were asleep that day and didn't see those numbers, you're, you're like, this guy's a top five pick. And the thing is, he does play deep safety, but he can also play in the slot. He can play in the box. He can play apex defender. He can do a million things for you. And sweet mercy, if he's there at 18, you you almost have to take him. And as you point out, Jody, he, he does fill a huge need. Um, I thought you were going to ask me about the, the safeties number two or number three that might be there. But oh, if I'm Kyle, going to the top. Yeah. Yeah. Going, yeah, if Kyle Hamilton's there, at, even if he's there at 15 or 16, whichever the first pick is, uh, 15. 15. Yeah, I, man, you got to think about it because if it's a Durbin James situation, you're you're hitting the home run. And again, the issue is health. And I know the safety position. What you have to go back to probably Palomalu and Ed Reed to find safeties that that were worth top 10 picks, guys that actually didn't go in the top 10 for various reasons. Jamal Adams with that high, he wasn't worth it. He's a good football player. He's not a great football player. Durbin James didn't go in the top 10. Perhaps he should have, but he struggled with health. And after that, um, Sean Taylor is probably the other guy. But after that, you're sort of searching. And, and there aren't a lot of safeties that that do the things. Like Isaiah Simmons is a guy who is a, a tweener role. He doesn't play deep safety. The other issue is that the Cardinals didn't really have a plan for him coming out of Clemson. So I think – if he goes to Philly or wherever Kyle Hamilton ends up, you have to have a plan for how to use him because that's a big part of his development and a big part of him having success. But, yeah, I love Kyle Hamilton. I don't care about the the 40 <clears> times. And I would imagine some teams are happy that he ran slow because that gives them a chance to have a shot at him should he fall outside the top ten. Ryan, uh, last one for me. And before I get to it, I want to mention everybody, follow Ryan Wilson on Twitter at Ryan Wilson CBS. You can read them at cbssports.com. Pick six pod as well. Listen to that and your favorite podcast place. But Ryan, you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier, and that's the trade uh, with the Eagles and Saints. And no matter what draft chart you want to look at, you say, what the heck is Mickey Loomis thinking? <laughs> on top of it, by the way, um, the Eagles pick 15, the Saints pick 16. The Eagles pick 18, the Saints pick 19. Even, even in that little microcosm, you go, what the heck is this guy thinking? So I want you to pick on, put on your Mickey Loomis hat and tell me what he's thinking. Is there another shoe to drop? Is he going after a quarterback? Is Because, look, as much maligned as this quarterback class is, if you believe in a guy and you talked about the group think that can be around uh, 
draft Twitter, whatever you want to call it. If Kenny Pickett turns into a star and you draft Kenny Pickett, you're going to look good in five years. So what do you think the thought process for Mickey Loomis was? No, that's right. So remember a few years ago when Thomas Dimitrov traded up for Julio Jones and gave up everything, and people were like, this is crazy. They got to win a Super Bowl. And they almost won a Super Bowl. So if, yeah. if they had won it, you'd have been like, okay, I get it. It's worth the cost. Uh, it didn't work out. Uh, you know, and then you, you sort of question it, you, whatever. But here's the other thing about the Saints. A few years ago, they traded back into the first round, and everyone was like, oh, they're getting Lamar Jackson. They drafted Marcus Davenport, the edge rusher out of UTSA. Yeah. Yeah. And Davenport's a good player. But I would imagine if, if Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton at the time had a time machine, they're taking Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees' feelings. We don't care about them. Um, so I, that, knowing that, that bit of history, I have no idea what the plan is. It seems to me, upon first viewing, you're not getting – I mean, you could get Kyle uh, – excuse me, Kenny Pickett at 16. And maybe you felt you had to leapfrog somebody who was, who was going to get him. But the thing is, when this, the 49ers moved up to number three last year, that was actually in early March. But they got the three, so you knew they were going to get one of those three quarterbacks. Going to 16, teams can still trade up. There are 15 other picks that teams that want quarterbacks can leapfrog you for, or even if it's an offensive lineman. So knowing that leads me to believe that maybe the Saints plan on packaging some other picks, these two first-rounders, whatever picks they have left over that they didn't give to the Eagles, to move up even further uh, to get perhaps an offensive lineman. Because they lost Teron Armstead to Miami. He's a big part of why that offensive line was so good. Um, after the first three offensive linemen, Evan Neal, Ike Kwandu, and Charles Cross, there's a little bit of a drop-off, whether it's Trevor Penning or Bernard Raymond or Daniel Falele or, or Tyler Smith or whomever your guy is. Maybe the Saints feel like they have to move up for that. But it, it, it still doesn't make a lot of sense because you're giving up everything for the fourth-best left tackle um, or maybe the third-best left tackle in this class. And, and maybe that left tackle ends up being Orlando Pace, but he, he hasn't yet shown himself to, to be on that path, whomever that is. So it, it's curious to me, and I think the good news is it's going to make draft night more exciting because we got to figure out what's going on. Because if they stay put and take the fourth-best tackle and then take a wide receiver, it, it makes no sense. It, it makes no sense giving up all they gave up for that. And, and it's great news for Eagles and Eagles fans because they got a draft haul for a team to move up a couple spots to take the fourth-best tackle. So, Ryan, uh, my final question is one I like to, to throw out there because it's a hanging curve for a guy like yourself who seems like obligated to put out a new mock every 12 hours or so. <laughs> uh, and you're staying on top of everybody else's mock stuff. Give me the player, either upside, downside, either the guy who you can't believe isn't being mentioned It's a top half of the first round guy that you're seeing him mocked in the second round or the third round. You're going, is one of the 15 best football players in the draft. What the hell are you guys doing? Or the guy who is up there in the top half of the first round, who's a first rounder and you think is more like a day three guy. Give me the guy that you either think is being by others as compared to your scouting either blatantly overrated or blatantly underrated. I'll give you, I'll give you three guys. So Christian Watson, uh, the wide receiver at North Dakota state, small school guy, FCS guy, but he's six, five, um, played with Trey Lance a few years ago. And if you watch Trey Lance that his final year there, you were like, who is this guy that keeps making plays down the field? And it was Christian Watson. He's a track guy from Florida, somehow got out of Florida and obviously crushed it at an FCS level, but he went to the senior bowl and he looked like he came out of Alabama, not like he came out of North Dakota state. He was, he very much belonged there 
Uh, he ran really well, maybe in the four fours, maybe a little faster than that at the combine. Let's go look. He's a guy that I absolutely love. We talked about all these wide receivers we talked about earlier. He's a second-round guy who perhaps sneaks into the first round, and I would 100% be on board with that. Uh, I love his game. Uh, another guy is Jalen Petre. We talked about safeties here. He's out of Baylor, plays a lot in the slot. He can play deep. You can put him in the box. He can blitz off the edge. Uh, another really good football player. I don't think he makes it in round one, but if he's there at 51, and he may not be, that's certainly someone that the Eagles should consider. And, and then Brian Cook, the other safety uh, that I'll mention out of Cincinnati, converted cornerback, transferred from Howard, played with Sauce Gardner, played with Kobe Bryant and, and Maj Sanders in Cincinnati and, and was sort of the orchestrator of that defense from center field. Another guy, and all these safeties are so versatile now. He plays in the slot. He has that cornerback background, and he will thump you in, in the run game coming downhill, but he also has coverage skills. I think I like him more than most other media folks. I know NFL teams, uh, have they, they sort of have their eye on him as well, but those are three players that we haven't heard a lot about may not make their way into the first round, but in, I think in a few, two, three years, we'll be talking about those guys as, as guys that perhaps didn't get drafted as high as they should have. His next mock is due to come out in about eight minutes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you jumping on with us, Ryan. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll either get you on one more time before the draft or shortly after the draft. Thanks for giving us the insight today. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Ryan Thanks, Wilson Ryan. does a heck of a job we just, uh, on me on my uh, CBS uh, weekend show on CBS Sports Radio this week. I had not had Ryan on as a guest before. I said, damn, this guy knows what he's talking about. And we need to punch him up on Birds uh, 365. So we did. Thank him for doing uh, the spot with us. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, Mac and Mac guys. We got to come back, put a bow on the show. Stick around. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mega Mac guys here on Bird 365 as we do the countdown to the NFL draft, 15 days and counting. Uh, J-Mac, I think the Eagles have used about, last count, uh, almost 15 of their pre-draft visits. You get a maximum of 30, and I'm pretty sure every team uses damn close to 30, if not all 30. There might be a team or two that actually takes uh, advantage and sneaks in an extra one or two and tries to keep it under a radar. But you guys have done a real nice job at reporting who has been here so far. Um, we've got, like I said, two plus weeks to the draft. Do you read into, I know I've already asked you how much you read into just a guy showing up and uh, you told me you, you can put something to it, but it can be just an informational gathering process. Do you read into the timing of when the guys come in? That the closer the draft means more likely a guy they're going to contemplate take, less likely a guy they're going to contemplate taking, and just have information going forward. Do you read anything into the timing when these guys come in here to Philadelphia for the Eagles to get a closer look? No, not really, only because, you know, that's kind of up to the agent and they're visiting other cities as well. So that, you know, that's more of a logistical thing. So, you know, some agents are going to, you know, if they're going to visit the East Coast teams, you know, you want, you know, Philly, Jets, Giants, you know, probably Monday, Tuesday, something like that to make it a little easier on the kids. So a lot of that just depends on, you know, when they can set up the visits for the particular players and, and where they're going to go. Um, I was just texting a GM the other day and he said, yeah, don't put much stock in it. And they all say that. Um, but in what I've heard over the years is put stock in the position. So the, the Eagles are at 15 that we know of right now. Jamison Williams would have been 15. Um and they had two edge rushers in uh, most recently. Uh, wide receiver, they had Pickens in from Georgia as well as Jamison Williams. So you, I think you can gather more from the positions than the particular players. But the players, it's always about you probably hit this point of the process. Remember, you got the senior bowl, the other all-star games, you got the combine, you got the pro days. And these are players potentially you want to know more about that you haven't gotten the information you want so you might be you might know you like a kid by this point you're like eh, we don't want to bring him in we don't want to raise any eyebrows um in the case of williams it might be just injury let's take a look at him let's see where he is um so it could be a whole host of reasons but i always pay more attention to the positions than than the actual names and you can see edge rusher, and it's all the natural positions. And wide receiver, they're going heavy at certain positions you would think they would go heavy at. 
All right, uh, Johnny, last thing for the day, and if we need to expand on this tomorrow, we will. Do you have any inside sources as to what head coach Nick Sirianni's game of choice is right now to judge the competitive nature of the player that's well, coming Well, so in. is basketball. Nick's a big basketball guy. Uh, he likes Bill it, Nova. It, it was he likes rock, Bill Nova. It was rock, paper, scissors before it was ever basketball. Yeah. Well, Come rock, on. paper, you know, that was the pre-pandemic era. Although, I don't know where we are with the pandemic because Philadelphia has a mass mandate now, so who knows. Um, but now they got the hoop in the NovaCare complex. They got the mini hoop. He likes Bill Nova in front of the camera, behind the camera. He likes Michigan. He's a big 5-5 five, five fan, but don't say that. So so, so there's no Jacks. They're not playing Jacks? No Rochambeau? No Timmy well, Winks? Where, where, where? It's now basketball or nothing? Yeah. Basketball Remember, or nothing? early, was it Sam Howell who went two for five? I, th I think it was yeah. Sam. And uh, everyone said, well, the Eagles aren't interested in Sam go, Howell. See? Subterfuge, man. Subterfuge. Let, let the Giants take him. KP can't play. Yeah. Uh, we'll play again tomorrow. Johnny Mac, I plan on being back here tomorrow. You in? Let's do it. We'll be back with another episode of Birds 365 in two and two. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.